Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Who's ready to get into the Word today? Okay. I know some of us, <clears throat> I know we've been, you know, worshiping a little longer. I know we had some stuff. But uh, I know we're going to make a little bit of noise at around 3.30 today. So how, who's ready to get into the Word this morning? Are we ready? Um, Matthew, or Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bible, the Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be hanging out today. So if you have your smartphone, if you have your sermon notes, get your, get your Bible ready. If you take notes the old school way, the best way, let's get them ready. If you take notes with your thumbs on that smartphone, let's get it ready and turned on. But uh, before we, you know, get to the good stuff, I got to ask you, who, who do you got today? Anybody got the, who's got the Eagles? All right, who, who's, got the, who's got the Eagles? Are we going to... What's that song, Fly, Eagles, Fly? Is that going to be the end of the day? Or is anybody here with God's team and with God's quarterback? Is anybody here, um, is anybody here ready for the Chiefs? Let's go. Where's my Chiefs fans in the house? All right. And this is old school. We're going Joe Montana in the house. Thank you for the... Thank you for the jersey, by the way. Well, as we get ready, I, like I said, I know we're going to be having some fun. Is it okay to have some fun in church today? We've been hitting some serious stuff on prayer, but you know what? Today's message, yes. What do we have? Oh, it looks bad. Thank Miss. You know, Miss Jen does a good job of making sure we have our stuff together here. It looks bad on video, she said. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. Darnell's probably texting her, get that shirt out of there. That's cool. It's all right. It's a day of having some fun, but you know what, before we get to some fun stuff and before your, your Super, Bowl, Super Bowl plans take action, can we study God's Word a little bit and just ask the Lord and His Holy Spirit to just speak to us today? Because I believe His Word is so applicable for every situation. No matter where you're going, there might be somebody that you party with today that might remind you of this story a little bit that we're going to get into in the book of Luke chapter 7. And, and a little bit of context because we always want to make sure we, we talk about what's going on in that town, what's going on in that home, what's going on in this situation. A little bit of context, there's a man named Simon. He is a Pharisee and he invites Jesus over for a dinner party. Is anybody here inviting some folks over to their house today? Raise your hand if you're the host. Or raise your hand if you're like me, you're just mooching off the host. I'm going to the house, right? I'm going to be like, what do you need? I'll pitch in some money. You just let me know, but you're making life really easy for me today, right? But as, as Jesus goes, he goes to the Pharisee's house named Simon. And, and I think apparently Jesus at this point in his ministry, there's a lot of attention. There's, uh, he's garnering some, some curiosity. People are curious about this prophet, about this man that they hear about, this rabbi named Jesus. And so can we just jump right into the text this morning because that's a little bit of the context. Are you ready to read it? Are you ready to read it? Come on now. Verse 36, and we're going to look at all the way up to verse 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus said, no, you're a jerk and you're a Pharisee and I don't have dinner with mean people. 
right? That's what I would have said. If I, it's a Pharisee, you know like the intent, right? I would have just said, no, I don't want to go to your house. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't even want to talk to you. But Jesus being Jesus, what does he do? Let's look at this verse, verse 36. So Jesus went to his home. It says he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman, a lot of translations actually use the term sinner. And how many of you know we're all sinners, but there, there is actually some intent with this word as it applies to her. We'll get into that a little bit, just some thoughts. But it says a certain immoral woman from that city heard Jesus was eating there. She brought, get this, a beautiful alabaster jar. And we could get into the cost of this. It, it says it's filled with expensive perfume. So during this dinner, and, and I would even say this, like, look at this, during this Super Bowl party that you have today, maybe, maybe somebody unexpected shows up. Maybe someone that doesn't quite fit in shows up. Maybe someone that is a little bit questionable character shows up, right? We can, I think we can relate to stories like this because that's what happened. Let's just say this, this unexpected guest shows up, and let's look at verse 38 because this meal with the Pharisee which I think is already, how many of you have ever gone to a dinner or a meeting where you just know it's going to be awkward, right? This awkward meal, this awkward dinner just got a little bit more awkward. Let's look at what happens in verse 38. Let's see why. She knelt down. She, she knelt beside him at his feet. She knelt by Jesus. And get this, as, as conversation is taking place, as the food is being served, they would recline at the table and it says this, she started weeping. She, she knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. Now, when, when, I, when I hear, like, weeping, you know, I, I'm not talking about the little crocodile tears. Has anybody here ever had those moments a few times in your life, right, where, where weeping is something that, it, it's not just you got, you got teary-eyed, you know, in the middle of Avatar Part 2, right? You're not just, just like little tears, weeping. She starts weeping. There's a sense of hurt. There's a sense of brokenness taking place in this woman, and it's apparent all over her body language. Her tears fell on his feet. And the Bible says, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then I, I, I kind of giggle at this. There's so much to say here, but she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And so this awkward meal just got a whole lot more awkward. Imagine, like, imagine sitting at a meal and someone just starts crying so much and she begins to wash his feet and she begins to wash his feet with her tears. Oh my goodness. And then she takes out this alabaster jar of perfume and she anoints Jesus' feet. And as he's reclining there, what a dinner this is turning out to be. And, and, and one thing, just as we talk about the culture, it was customary for uninvited guests to be able to, to enter the room uninvited, but they would usually, they would seat themselves around the walls or they would stand around the walls to, to converse with those at the table. But this was, nevertheless, think about this situation. Imagine what it looked like, what it sounded like. This was unheard of, this, this notorious woman of sin, right? That's what the Bible, most translations, we're reading out of the NLT today, but most translations say this woman, this sinner showed up at the dinner. And right, it's kind of an interesting like label that we give her considering we, uh, would we agree we're all sinners, correct? But somehow this woman gets this, this label that's, it's a little harsh. And here's why it's, it's like this sinner, she lets her hair down, she kisses his feet, she pulls out the expensive alabaster jar. Many commentaries state that they, they think 
They think she may have been a woman that got around. She may have been a woman that was a prostitute. Uh, But we need to keep in mind this. And and would you write this down? Because I think we'll get to this at the end of the sermon today. The Bible actually never says what her sin was. It never actually tells us, right? We, have, we, it, we can raise our own questions. We can use some logic, right? She may have been all of those things, or she may have been an alcoholic, right? We can, I mean, she, what was her sin? She may have been a thief. Maybe she was a thief, right? Maybe she was a dishonest person, a liar. Maybe she was a business person that cheated someone. Maybe she was the town gossip. Maybe she was right, a bigot. I, I don't know, like, what was her sin? The Bible actually doesn't tell us. But I, I always think of this when I read this story. I think, how did she get in? How did she get there, right? Think of, think of this situation, right? The, the Pharisee, this is a wealthy spot. No doubt this man has servants. This man has connections. They have people that would prepare the food. They have people that would bring the food out. And it just kind of, to me, seems like this lady knows her way around the house. Just a thought, right? Maybe somebody knew, maybe she frequented there often, right? This Simon the Pharisee, it's kind of like reading into scripture. I don't want to like pull out more than what's written there, but I kind of just kind of want to have some fun, like some, some logic and some deduction, like what, how did she get there so easily? I think maybe people were used to seeing her. Maybe there was a, a, ba- a back way in the house that people were used to letting this woman in and out of. I don't know right? Maybe she was the, 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 the special, like the sinner to the rich and famous of that day, right? The Bible doesn't quite tell us, but let's look at this in verse 39. When the Pharisee, his name is Simon, when Simon who had invited Jesus saw this, would you underline this? He said to himself, this is important. This is so important. He said to himself, notice it doesn't say he said out loud, he manned up and said it to Jesus' face, because that's what we rarely do, right? Oftentimes when we have a gripe with someone, we, we go in the back, or we go down the hall, or we go whatever, and we kind of, we, we tell everyone else about whatever it is we're upset about, except the person that we're upset with. Well, this man is disgusted. He is disgusted with Jesus. I, I think he's probably even more disgusted with Jesus than he is the woman, this, this, the woman in sin. And the Bible says he didn't even say it out loud. He just Maybe he muttered it, maybe he was mumbling, maybe he was just thinking it. He thought to himself, but here's what he thought, if Jesus really knew about this woman. Right, let's finish the verse. If this man, Jesus, were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know she's a sinner. He would know she's immoral. He would know, insert whatever it is her sin is. If if Jesus really knew what she was about, he wouldn't be associated with this disgusting lady. This Jesus disgusts me. He didn't say it out loud, but Simon the Pharisee was thinking it. He said, man, if Jesus really knew the truth about this woman, if Jesus really knew all that, he would have told this girl, back up away from my feet. Stop tickling my toes. Right? I think about that. It says she was kissing his feet. I, no thank you, I, like no way, shape, or form, right? Like, oh my gosh, if Jesus really knew, I don't want to be associated with you dumping whatever that perfume is, expensive or not, keep it away from me. If Jesus would have known how bad she really is, Jesus would tell her to back up, girl. Get away from me, right? Get away from me, sinner. I don't want to be associated with you. But let's look in verse 40, because this is incredibly encouraging to me, On one hand, this next scripture, but at the same time, it's incredibly um, frightening as well. 
I'm thankful for the love Jesus extends to us, but then what a reminder that Jesus knows everything about us. Are you ready for it? Let's look at verse 40. Oh my, watch it. He says, then Jesus answered his what? Oh, it says, Jesus didn't answer the question. Jesus answered his thoughts because Jesus is God. Jesus knew what he was thinking. Right? On some hands, that's really, really cool. And then in some ways, think about all of the things we have thought that we have never said out loud. Think of, think of like, and it, with, it doesn't matter the relationship with, with your friends, with your family, with your wife, with your kids, with your boss, right? It says, Jesus answered his thoughts. And he says this, Simon, he said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Now, how many of you know anytime you track the ministry of Jesus through the New Testament, when he says to the Pharisees, I've got something to say, when he says, I have a question for you, how many of you know he's just, he's just pretty much digging the trap? He's setting it for him, and he's, he's, gonna, he's, like, he's, he's just baiting them. Hey, Simon, i got a question for you. Simon, I, I, I want to have a discussion with you. Let's, let's talk about this for a moment, because I know what you're thinking, right? And your thoughts are so backwards, yet you don't even know it, so I'm going to actually let you know how ridiculous this is, right? But don't miss the conversation, right? In this con- the Pharisee never said a word to Jesus. I find that amazing. He never said a word. It was just a thought, and Jesus was responding to it. Don't miss this. Number one, would you write this down? You can't have a private reflection Jesus doesn't know about. Think about that. Think about that this morning. You can't have a private conversation, a private thought, a private moment of quiet time that Jesus doesn't know about, a private uh, word that you muttered, something negative you feel. You can't have a private reflection that Jesus himself doesn't already know. Your deepest beliefs, your deepest feelings, your deepest moments of judgment, right? Your deepest, right? It's all an open book. This is clear. It's all there before him. It's all an open book before the Lord. And you know what's amazing? As much as that's frightening, isn't it still amazing the type of love he extends to us in spite of knowing all that? How many of us like, right? You think of whoever is sitting next to you, would you want them to know everything you've ever thought about? I don't care if you're sitting next to your spouse, right? Your spouse, anybody, friend, stranger, right? You would, there's no way you would want them to know every thought that came through you. It didn't mean you ever acted on it, just things you thought about. And yet we serve a God, we have a king that the love he still extends to us in spite of just the things we think about. It's amazing. So Simon the Pharisee takes the bait. Let's continue on. Let's finish verse 40. And, and I wonder if there was like a little bit of sarcasm. Little, I love the word snarky. I wonder if he was a little snarky with Jesus right here. Look what he says. Go ahead, teacher. I wonder if it's like, go ahead, rabbi. Right? I mean, what's the saying nowadays? People hammer the, like, go ahead, boomer. Right? Anybody's, anybody heard that lately? That's the new one, right? A little, it's funny, right? Go ahead, teacher, what you got? Bring it, Simon replied. Simon doesn't know Jesus is just, I think he's setting him up with this question. Here's the story. Verse 41. Jesus begins to tell him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and, 500, and 50 pieces to the other. You know, we could have some fun with this today. There's two men that owe the sports books, right? One of them owes, you know, 
$50,000 and the other one owes $500,000. They had a little bit too much fun on Super Bowl weekend, right? One of them owes, neither can pay the casino back. It's that type of situation. Jesus says one owes 50 pieces of silver, the other owes 500 pieces of silver. But verse 42, but neither of them could repay the man. Get this, it says, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Simon, who, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Verse 43, Simon answered, I, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. I think just kind of throwing him a bone, right? That's right, Jesus said. Number two, would you write this down? Our gratitude in life is always directly connected to understanding forgiveness. Our thankfulness, our gratitude, our attitude of gratitude or lack thereof, it's always directly connected to under, our understanding in that moment of the forgiveness we've been given. The question Jesus asked, it implies, he says there's a direct correlation between the amount of debt canceled, right, and the resulting love that you show, right? An understanding of understanding how much debt was actually canceled should be a reflection in how much love you actually show. Simon Pharisee jumped right in head first to this pool with Jesus. Not a good place to be when it comes to like competition, right? He took the bait. He gave the obvious answer. I suppose Jesus, the one that, that, that had more debt, Right? He, he loves the, 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 the guy more, right? he, the one that was forgiven more. And Jesus is like, you know what? You've, good job, Simon. Good job. You've aced the test. Good job. And then look what happens in, in verse 44. He begins in the next few verses to lower the, the boom on the situation. He begins to bring the, the, he gets to the point here. Verse 44, then he took, then he turned to the woman. And look at this. He turns to the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. He turns to the woman, but he's speaking to the Pharisee. He turns to the sinner, but he's speaking to this religious man. He says, look at this woman kneeling her, kneeling here. He says, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, which for us may sound different, but we're talking culture and context. It was customary to do these things. All of these things Jesus mentioned, like if you invite someone over to your house, the streets are dirty, there's dust all over. It was natural to have a a water basin. You would wash their feet before you would come in. You would greet them with a kiss. Jesus says, you didn't do that. Verse 45, you didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the first time I came in, look at this, it says, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. What Jesus points out is the common customs that show kindness to people, which they change from generation to generation, right? How many of us know we we, we show kindness today in different ways, right? But Jesus says the, the common things you didn't do, You ignored me, you didn't greet me, you didn't even welcome me, you invited me to your home, yet you treated me like an enemy, is what Jesus tells the Pharisee, which I think implies, the the very words of Jesus imply that he knew the motives that this Pharisee had for inviting him over. He didn't invite him over for a good time. 
He didn't invite him over because he was curious about this rabbi. You know, I, I'm curious about this. Maybe this man is who he says he is, right? He invited him over, you know, to pick him apart. He invited him over to, to get some dirt on him. He, he invited him over to get some gossip on this rabbi, right? You didn't wash my feet, Jesus said. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. Those were all the very routine things, the very common customary ways of greeting someone, greeting someone with warmth, with friendship. Just be like us just giving a handshake or a hug, right? But he says, this woman, she washed my dirty street feet, right? And she washed them with her tears and she anointed my feet and she kissed them. She anointed them with oil. Jesus points out that this uninvited, immoral, sinful guest shows more hospitality in the Pharisee's home than the Pharisee himself, than he even instructed his servants to do, right? I'm sure at some point the Pharisee could have just had his servants take care of all of it, but he's like, no, 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 we're not going to give this guy any special treatment. At this point, I think it's probably safe to say that Simon boy is starting to sweat it a little bit. Right? Jesus is, he, you, can, you know, sometimes you can tell when you sit down with someone if, like, sometimes you just got to learn, like, people you're going to de- bother debating or reason with, and then those moments where you need to just zip it. And I'm sure Simon realized really quick he was out of his depth. He, right? He's debating with, he's debating with Jesus. Not a good spot to be. You're going to lose that one every time. Verse 47, I tell you, Jesus said, her sins, and look at this, I love that he doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, and they are many. Her sins are real. They're issues, right? I tell you, her sins, and there are many, they've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But he says, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Jesus lowers the boom, and for the Pharisees to hear this, who is this guy, right? Who is this guy who says he can forgive sins? But Jesus says, no, your sins are forgiven because you have loved so well. You have loved so much, right? I I think the reason, why why would you show up to the feet of Jesus and start weeping? I mean, that's a lot of tears to say you're washing someone's feet with your tears, right? That's, That's a lot of crying going on in the house, but I think in that moment, for whatever reason, just being close to Jesus, just being next to Jesus, there's something in her, something that broke, something that happens with us when the gospel becomes real, right? When the message of forgiveness becomes real. We realize in that moment, I've been forgiven of so much, and sometimes the only appropriate thing to do is just tell him thank you. It's just to, to wash his feet, to say, oh my gosh, it's just to break into tears, right? Her honor, her gifts, her brokenness, it was all proof. It was, it was physical proof that the inside was, was being dealt with, right? It was physical proof that she understood her need for Jesus. She understood how amazing it was to be next to him, to be close to him. But in contrast, let's look at, let's look at what Jesus says. He says this to Simon. Would you look at this last verse? The person who is forgiven little, what's it say? It says, you've been forgiven little, you show just a little bit of love. And it seems like Simon doesn't really show any. Simon saw little in his life, but this Pharisee, he saw little in his life. I don't need to change. I don't need to change who I am, right? This, I got it all together. All these, I got it all, right? And the result is of saying, man, I got my stuff together. He, 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 the result being, he, he doesn't see a need for Jesus. 
He doesn't see a need for this rabbi, right? Uh, he, he had, I would say it like this. Would you write this down? Simon was in a place where he had forgotten his sin before God. He's really good at pointing out everyone else's, right? If you knew how disgusting this woman was, if you knew how she cheated in her business dealings, if you knew whatever it is, if you knew everything about them, Jesus, you wouldn't want to hang out with her. And yet we know the gospel is all about recognizing and understanding that we do have debts, don't we? We have debts, but the gospel is understanding that the cross, that Jesus came to cancel every single one of those debts, right? It doesn't mean that we live in a constant state of just always crying and always weeping. It doesn't mean we live in a constant state of always regretting our past, but it doesn't mean, like, I love King David when he says this, right? This, this sense of humbleness, but he made this comment when he's talking about and he's writing about his sin. He says, my sin is ever before me, Right? I love that phrase, forgive and forget, but I don't know that it's really possible. And I don't know that it's always quite helpful because I don't want to ever fall into the trap. I don't ever want to be a reflection of Simon the Pharisee, right? Following into this comparison trap, pointing out everybody else's sin, right? How can we apply this story to us today, right? I would say some simple things we can look at. Man, if, if serving God if serving your boss, if serving at work, if, if your devotional time, if your worship time, if simply arriving and driving 20 minutes to church becomes a negative thing, if tithing becomes a negative thing, right? If it's done out of boredom, if it's done out of just habit, if it's done, because you know what, quite honestly, I got nothing else to do on a Sunday. I like just talking to people, right? And there's nothing wrong with community and fellowship, all of those things, right? But if our duty, if the things that we do, if we only participate in them, if we only serve others, if we only love others because of motives that, you know, how, how does this serve me? What can I get out of this, right? If that's the attitude that we've developed, then we have forgotten how much debt God has canceled. Can we say it like that? We have forgotten just how much debt he has canceled, right? The truth of the gospel will drive us to moments of brokenness. The truth of the gospel, like this woman, right, it will drive us to moments of anointing, oil, crazy foot wash type serving, deep weeping, cleansing, celebratory love for Jesus. Someone say amen, right? And when that happens, right, we worship because we're just passionate about it. We give because we really believe, God, your word says that you will multiply this gift. God, that you will use it to build your kingdom, right? We don't, we don't do it with a sense of, oh man, <laughs> we've got to watch everybody else's situation. We've got to watch how everybody else is sinning, right? Verse 49, as we go through verse 50. Then the men at the table said among themselves, of course they're going to say this, who is this man? that goes around now openly declaring that your sins are forgiven. Look at that. He goes around forgiving sins. Of course they would ask this question. Who could do this? Who has a right to forgive sins? And the answer is, well, he can do it if he's more than just a mere man. <laughs> right? If he's who he says he is, then he can go around doing that. And look at verse 50, and we're going to end with this verse today. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
I find it interesting as well, right? I mean, we, we talk about the sinner's prayer. We talk about acknowledging Jesus, but G, he just simply says to her, your faith has saved you. What was it in that moment? Her faith, it has saved her. And then Jesus says, look at this, go in peace. Go in peace. And I imagine maybe he said it with a loving tone. You can stop crying. Now's the time you can stop weeping. But go and be and live and do life in peace. I love the reality. Would you write this down? We never see it in Scripture. Jesus never turns his back on repentance. Would you write that down? We don't see it. In Scripture, Jesus never turns his back on brokenness. He never turns his back on humility. He never turns his back on repentance. I, I love that at this dinner, he, you know who, who used the word sinner? The Pharisee. Probably all the other guys. Let's face it, probably all the other dudes at the table did too. They were probably all talking smack, talking about whatever. They probably knew way too much about this woman for whatever reason, right? Kind of ignoring any involvement they might have, is the way I kind of read it, Right? But I find it interesting, the only person at the table who had a right and the ability and, and really was in a place where he could and maybe even should have called someone a sinner, the only person who had the right to do that was Jesus. And notice he didn't do it. Right? Do we, it's kind of like we really read some of these scriptures, right? Jesus never leaned across the table and said she's in sin. He, she never leaned across. He didn't say, oh, man, she needs a really good teaching today. He didn't even, like, as far as we know, he didn't, like, quote scripture at her. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, like, wag his finger and say, if you, you know, cry a few more times and now use the other side of your hair and really, really wash in between my pinky toe and my other toe. He didn't say any of that, right? He recognized the bouquet she was offering. He recognized the forgiveness. He recognized the deep state of brokenness she was living in. I love it. The only person who could have called her a sinner never did. Jesus, he didn't, he didn't wag his finger in her face. <laughs> I find that amazing because Jesus knew all of her failures. He knew, he knew everything she had done that was shady. He, he knew all of her past. And you know what's frightening is he knows all of your failures as well. Ooh, he knows all of mine. Isn't that a sobering thought this morning? Jesus knows every thought we've had. He knows everything we've done and thought about in private. Not even things we've acted on, just things we've thought about. Man, I find that amazing. As we close today, um, Danette, would you come and just play us out as we finish this morning? And I want to ask you, which, which of these characters we, we dealt with really in this scripture versus, I think it was 36 to 50, the primary players, we have Simon the Pharisee, we have the woman, and we have Jesus. Now, I'll be honest, I really would love to read Scripture every time and be like, you know what, when I read this passage, I just look a lot like Jesus. I would, right? Does anybody ever read the Bible and you're like, man, I, I'm so like that? Right? I'm just so good. Man. Right? But honestly, most of the time I read the Bible, he's, I, I like read it and I get just the Holy Spirit just checks me and I'm like, he's the guy I can relate to the least sometimes. Yeah. Uh, right? Don't throw anything at me. Unless it's a football, I will catch it. Um, 
But we, we have three players. You got Simon the Pharisee, the woman in sin, or, or whatever her sin was. And you have Jesus. Which of these people, maybe, would you write this down in your notes? Which of these people do you relate to most in this story? Right at this moment, maybe in your past, we probably have seasons where we're like, oh, I, I did behave like Jesus then. Or I'm in that moment today. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that way. But we've all had moments where I think in that particular season of our life, in that chapter of our life, we can relate to one of these three major players. Do you relate to the Pharisee at all? There's moments where I do. Too many of them, right? And I think about this, like, what do you mean you relate to the Pharisee? You're up there preaching. Scumbag, right? But think of this, like, there's moments where I think like him, right? Are you one of those people like Simon the Pharisee that you just constantly remember what someone else did? And you conveniently kind of forget anything you've done. Hello, right? Conveniently, like, God, my sin is ever before you, but I just have a nice way of blocking that off in that section of my brain, and I'm just going to focus on what they did. Are you a little bit like Simon? Let's say it like this. It's this personality that shows up. It almost seems like he delights in reminding others of their past failures. It like makes his day a little bit. You can't let go of something. And sadly, I can look at my life and my mindset soft sometimes and go, I'm, I can be a lot like Simon the Pharisee. I think I, I default to that a lot more often than I default to, to acting like Jesus did. Oh my goodness, right? God doesn't do that. You know what's cool about this passage as we close? The Bible never says, scholars, commentaries, they make, you know, they make comments on what they think her profession may have been, what was the highly, like what her situation was. But the reality is we really don't know for sure what her sin was. They definitely gave her a label, right? We don't know what her sin was. And in this particular passage, because other passages we know, right? The woman at the well, yeah, you've been married five times and the guy you're with now is in your husband and you know. But I think in this particular story, you know why it's important to remember? I, I think, why, why don't we know what her sin is? And for me, sometimes I think I'd say it like this because her sin is none of our business. Her failure, right? Right? Sometimes like we, we love it, we talk about it, it makes for good Super Bowl conversation or whatever, but like oftentimes like we need to remember it's in scripture, I love this because it's, I think of it like, Joey, it's none of your business, whatever it was. She was broken. She came and she cried. She came and she washed his feet. I think it's, it's like that. It's like your past, my past, it's no one else's business to talk about. All right, right? It isn't. It's no one else's business. Here's another, the, the next player in the story. Can you relate to the woman a little bit? Right? And maybe you can relate to her years ago before you gave your life to the Lord. But the woman's situation is like this. It's like, look, she, she knows she has messed up. How many of us ever had moments where it's, maybe you're in that moment right now where you're like, I have messed up in this area. Financially, physically, right? Something, I, God, I, I've done something, right? That is against your playbook, that is against your plan. And the woman, she kind of approaches, she's like, I, she acknowledges, like, I, I need saving, I've messed up. But I just kind of, I, I think the woman's like, I just need another chance. Can anybody here, maybe you're here today, you can relate to that. Like, God, I, I need another chance. God, I, I, this is difficult. I just, I just want to be near you. And here's the most difficult one. Ready for it? Number three. Can you relate to trying to do our best to be like Jesus? And of course, we can't read people's minds. 
But I think sometimes, you know, we can read body language, can't we? We can, re- we can read when someone, something is said and someone's feelings are hurt. We can read, right? We can, we can read postures. We can do different things. But I'd say it like this. Jesus, this woman comes in and starts bawling all over his feet. I'm just not a foot person. I honestly be like, get the heck away from me. And I know our cultures are so different. We don't take our shoes off and wash each other's feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That doesn't exist today. But like, can we say it like this? Jesus, can we try to be like him in that it seems to me like he wasn't afraid of being touched by the brokenness of people. He wasn't afraid of being in the presence of broken people. He was willing to offer people another chance. Jesus, he was willing to offer grace. He was willing to offer, what's he say to her? Go and be what? At peace. The Bible says the woman left forgiven. And I love what he says. He says, go be in peace. And I would say like this, I I think that that means her life has changed. Her life is transformed. Her life is new. And you know what's so interesting to me? In all of Scripture, as far as I know, we never hear from Simon the Pharisee again. We don't hear from this guy one more time. And so I think, man, God, will you help me to maybe be like the woman? God, help me to point people to Jesus. God, help me to to be like Jesus. Help me to point people to eternal life. And God, please keep me from being like the, the thing I want to default to the most is the Pharisee. And the reality is Simon the Pharisee, Joey the Pharisee, that just points people to the door, right? That just points them away from God. What was so attractive about Jesus? I think there were so many. Maybe he was a handsome guy. Well, what was, maybe was, I think we all love a good, I mean, we're in Las Vegas. We love a good show. I think some of the miracles that Jesus performed, no doubt, would be amazing to watch. Would you agree with that? Right? Come on. You all act like it. Like his first miracle was water into wine at a wedding. That's a fun wedding. Right? We act like, well, I don't know miracles. What do you mean? That would be fun to watch. But I think the biggest, what was so attractive about Jesus and his ministry? Why was it that you had like the, uh, this woman or, 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 or my goodness, what was it about uh, all of these encounters that Jesus had with the blind man or, or the woman with the issue of blood going through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment? What was it about Jesus, right? But I think there was a way that he loved people, a way that he honored people, made them want to be around him, right? He didn't have a sense of this self-righteous. I don't know about you, but I don't like being around self-righteous people in general, rude people in general, let alone rude and self-righteous people that declare the name of Jesus. It's right. It's frustrating, right? Like rude, self-righteous people. It's very tough for me to be around, especially when they're Christians, Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we come to you today, and as we bow our heads and close our eyes, God, as the church, as your body, as your bride, God, would you, could we just ask, God, is there anybody we're afraid, we're afraid to be close to because of whatever they've been involved in? God, are there people that have walked out of those doors or the doors of our, in our relationships because we weren't treating them with love? God, help us to remember where we've been and not with a sense of woe is me and I'm terrible and I've blown it, but God, help us to remember where we've come from and what we've been forgiven of so that we would be able to see and believe what others can become as well. 
But God, we're grateful for Jesus, your mercy, your covering, your forgiveness, your acceptance. God, thank you that you didn't turn your back away from that woman at this world's most awkward dinner. But God, thank you that you don't turn your back from us either. God, we, when we confess things, thank you for just listening. You already even know about them. And you forgive us and you change us. As we pray today, God, maybe some of us feel like the Pharisee. If that's you, would you just pray with me? Lord, forgive me for, for being so quick to judge others. I think there's some of us in church, we just, like that, that just happens from time to time. Can we pray that? God, forgive me for being so quick to be the judge. God, forgive me for being so quick to judge that sin or where they're at or what they're doing. But God, help me to point people to your son and not to the door. Maybe you're here today and you feel like the woman. You haven't done things that she did, but maybe you're here today and you've just been far away from the Lord. You've been far away from God. You've been living life your own way and you understand this sense of desperation and this goes overboard with her sense of brokenness. But maybe you're here today and you can relate to this this weeping, this desperation, this thankfulness for, and you, you, you just want a second chance. And I just want to tell you, if that's you this morning, you aren't here by accident. You're never in church by mistake. And with no one looking around, would you just pray this prayer with me? Maybe you're here and just say, Jesus, I feel a lot like that woman. Guy or girl, right? We can relate. God, I feel a lot like that woman. I know how she feels. God, I'm broken over this situation. I want to just encourage you, if there's something that you are broken about, if there's something you are feeling inside, I want to just encourage you, that's God appealing to you. That's God making himself real to you. That's Jesus coming and revealing himself to you. As we pray and as we close our eyes and as we get ready to go today, we just say this, Jesus, I don't want to worship other things anymore. God, I don't want to worship myself anymore. And would you just accept my offering? Would you accept my, my, my perfume? Would you accept my brokenness? If you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I need saving. I need a new direction. I need covering. I need forgiveness. If there's anybody here, I just want to invite you. One of the ways we just acknowledge Jesus as we just lift our eyes and we lift our hands and we pray. We say, God, I just want to acknowledge you and I want to thank you. If that's you today, I'm just going to count to three. One, two, and three. Would you lift your hands and you say, I see you over here. I want to accept Jesus. I see you in the back over there. I see you, young lady, over there. God, we want to just acknowledge you and say, God, we need you. Church, can we say this? Jesus, I need you today. Is there anyone here? Would you just say that? God, I need you to save me today. I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to save me. Can we say this, church? Jesus, I give you my life, and I want to know you personally. By faith, I give you my life today, so come and change me. Let's say that. God, change me. Make me new so that I may serve you. In Jesus' name, can all God's people say amen?
Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.